Hey everyone, a couple of quick programming notes before we start the show. We've officially ended Season 2 of Seeking Refuge. We want to thank everyone for listening to the show and making the second season such a success. Today's episode, along with the next two shows, will be bonus episodes. We couldn't really find a place for them in the last season, but we still wanted to get these episodes to you, so we're doing a bit of a mini-season. Also, because of the stay-at-home orders, most of these interviews were recorded remotely, so we apologize if there are any technical errors in the audio. Again, thank you all so much for listening. Now here's today's episode. I would love to change the misconception that refugees are dangerous. The reality is that refugees go through a very intense vetting process, but there is somehow still sometimes a stigma that refugees are potentially dangerous to our national security, um, which is just a, a big misconception. You're listening to Seeking Refuge, a podcast about the human stories behind refugees. Your host for this week is Patrick Anderson. Welcome, everyone. My name is Patrick Anderson, and today we have Abby Sauls. Abby, it's it's good to meet you, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you. So I guess the first question we can start off with is, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, my name is Abby. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm currently a senior, um, and I'm a double major in international studies and global studies at the University of South Carolina, um, and I'm also minoring in social work. Um, and within the global studies major, my focus is in the Middle East and global health. So I took Arabic for about three years and was able to study abroad in Jordan um, this past summer. Um, and I'm just really interested and passionate about understanding and helping immigrants and refugees in the United States. Why are you passionate about helping refugees? Yeah. So in middle school, I actually lived in New York City, where I was constantly surrounded by people from different backgrounds, races, languages, cultures, socioeconomic statuses, everything. Um, and then I moved to a pretty affluent, homogenous neighborhood in Tennessee. And the first thing I noticed was that lack of diversity um, that I enjoyed so much in New York. Um, and this was also around the beginnings of the Syrian civil war, which I was interested in following. And so the combination of me missing the diversity in New York, my desire to help marginalize people, and then my interest in the growing refugee crisis at the time kind of led me um, to volunteer at a local nonprofit in Nashville that serves refugees. Um, and that's what initially sparked my interest. So you mentioned that you had studied uh, the refugee crisis in Jordan. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so last summer I had the opportunity to live in Amman, Jordan, which is the capital, um, and learn about the different refugee crises that are happening all around the Middle East region. Uh, and Jordan's a really unique country because it kind of acts as a safe haven um, within the Middle East at the moment. Uh, it's bordered by Syria and Iraq, so it's in kind of a tumultuous region, um, but it's been able to maintain some sort of stability amidst all of that. And it's a very small country and resource scarce, but it hosts 
hundreds of thousands of refugees, which um, just puts a big strain on the economy and the society at large. So it was fascinating to kind of be in the eye of the hurricane in a way amidst the intense regional conflict and see how Jordan as such a small country uh, was approaching that and dealing um, with the big flows of immigrants and refugees. So while being in kind of this eye of the hurricane, what did you see as the most pressing need for refugees uh, who were in Jordan specifically? So the world has, over the past several years, paid a lot of attention to the Syrian refugee crisis, which is definitely warranted. Um, It's been awful, and there are vast numbers of displaced people from that conflict. But as a result, in Jordan, other refugee nationalities have gotten a lot less attention and foreign aid. So there's also significant populations from Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, Iraq, um, but they just don't get as much sympathy and attention as a lot of the Syrian refugees. And so the thing that I think struck me most about that was just the inequality between refugees who are different nationalities. Now going back to kind of your time in college, you were also the president of Gamecocks Aiding Refugees in Columbia. Can you explain the services and roles of that organization? Yeah, so GARC is what we call it for short, um, is a student organization at USC that partners with a local nonprofit called Carolina Survivor Clinic. And the clinic um, provides holistic care to refugees in Colombia, specifically survivors of torture. Um, And so our organization acts as a liaison between the student body and the clinic and kind of connects volunteers to the clinic through the university. Now, where do you think the majority of refugees, where they're coming from, uh, or would you say it's more of a large mixture of different areas. In Colombia specifically? Yes. Yeah, so I think the biggest population in Colombia is um, from Burma or Myanmar. Um, There's a lot of specifically Karen refugees, which is um, an ethnicity within uh, Burma, Myanmar. And there's also a lot of Congolese refugees. So those are the main two groups. And in addition to those... um, it's kind of a, a mix of a few people from Iraq. There's a few people from Syria, Eritrea, um, but it's mostly Burma and uh, from the Congo. So kind of looking at your time in Jordan versus your time in America, did you see any differences in the needs of the refugees? They're two very different situations. Um the refugee crisis in Jordan and the U.S.'s response to refugees and accepting refugees. So Jordan is a country that is completely overwhelmed with hosting refugees, and the U.S. hosts such a small number of refugees compared to this. And Jordan, despite being small and having um, few resources, is trying its best, even though it's not always perfect, to care for the vulnerable people in the region. Um, And Jordan really needs aid, uh, foreign aid, to care for those populations. Um, The UNHCR, um, which is the UN agency that serves refugees and people that are displaced around the world, um, is 
very has a big presence in Jordan, but there's a constant need for aid um, in the form of money and food, just resources for the big refugee communities, especially in the camps. And then in the U.S., I would say that refugees need more representation and people advocating for them because here there's a lot of political stigma attached to that label. Um, So they face a lot of discrimination and um, people have a lot of misconceptions about that population. And so I would love for them to be more understood and appreciated and welcomed. Looking at kind of how refugees are viewed in America, would you say there's any sort of stigma uh, with the general population of Jordan, if you had any experience with them? Hmm. I think going back to the different nationalities being looked down upon, the different refugee nationalities. So a lot of times the Syrian refugees receive a lot more sympathy from the Jordanian population, um, possibly likely because they share a lot of cultural similarities um, and it's just a very close country. And so the other nationalities like Sudanese, Somali, like don't get to enjoy that same kind of sympathy. But also from talking to some Jordan Jordanian nationals, the refugee, they view the refugee crisis as very complex. And um, they know that their country has a big role in providing aid and safety for these refugees. But at the same time, it does put such a strain on the Jordanian economy um, and Jordanians' ability to um, find jobs and secure their livelihoods. So it's definitely, they're thankful to be part of a, for the most part, um, society that is very um, welcoming and aid and aids these populations. But at the same time, it's a big struggle. So it's kind of this mixed feeling was the general sense that I got uh, towards refugees in Jordan. If you could implement one change in America to help refugees, what would that be? I would love to change the misconception that refugees are dangerous. I think a lot of people think that there are um, some news outlets that kind of promote that sometimes. And the reality is that refugees go through a very intense vetting process that spans years and years before being able to be resettled in the United States. And so they are not the terrorists. And a lot of times they're actually the ones that are fleeing from the terrorists. Um, But there is somehow still sometimes a stigma that refugees are potentially dangerous to our national security, um, which is just a, a big misconception. And I'd also love to change the popular thought that refugees are worth little to our economy. Um, Because, for example, in this time of the coronavirus, there are many essential workers who are immigrants and refugees who are janitors, work in food production factories, are truck drivers. Um, They're really useful to our society. And if we accept more refugees, it's a very... um, they're hardworking people like like most people. They're not any different. Um, and they do have the capacity to contribute to our society in ways that aren't draining, um, like some people a lot of times think. Now, you mentioned, obviously, the coronavirus that's going on right now. Have you seen any sort of difficulties or changes 
with the Gamecocks aiding refugees in Colombia program. Um, obviously, you talked about um, refugees who are essential workers working now. Um, but what about the people you've been helping in Colombia? Has there been any sort of change? Absolutely. Um, I mean, Carolina Survivor Clinic has essentially had to shut down the programs, the weekly programs um, that we usually do to serve the refugees. So tutoring for kids, English for adults. Um, there's also a citizenship class um, that has been going on in the refugee community. And none of that is happening. Um, and that is kind of a routine thing that a lot of the families in that community um, are very used to and benefit from. And we have relationships um, with a lot of those families. And so it is definitely um, hard to not be able to see them and interact with them um, during this time, especially because they are such a vulnerable population um, economically and socially as um, right now we're seeing a lot of people losing their jobs and um, just struggling to get by in the midst of this. The community has each other. They all live um, very close together, a lot of them in the same apartment complex. But I can only imagine um, it being so difficult to have less access to services and help from people who um, can help them, you know, become more acclimated to life here um, and to succeed in English um, and then therefore in their jobs. So I'm sure there's there's definitely big repercussions of coronavirus for them. So with your college career coming to a close, what's next for Abby? That's a great question. Um, now is obviously a hard time in the midst of coronavirus to be finding a job, especially in the nonprofit sector, um, which is what I'm interested in going into in the near future to serve refugees and immigrants. Um, so I have some interviews and some relationships with some organizations. Um, I would love to be in the Atlanta area. Uh, so I'm working out some of that. But in a few years, I would love to go to law school through either an immigration law program or a human rights program um, and would ultimately love to advocate for refugees and immigrants through that avenue. Well, thank you so much, Abby, for taking the time to talk with me. Do you have any words for our listeners? Um, yeah, I would say wherever you are, I would encourage you um, to look into how you can get involved with serving refugees in your area. There are lots of opportunities um, and refugees a lot of times live closer to us than we even know or think. Um, some of them are our neighbors. So organizations that serve refugees are always welcoming volunteers. Um, so I'd encourage people to get plugged into that if they're interested. And then I'd also say it's important to be intentional about where you get your news because there's a lot of inaccurate and divisive information out there about refugees and immigrants, especially in the U.S. Um, so I'd encourage people to try to stay as best educated about just the hard facts as possible. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of Seeking Refuge. If you want to get into contact with us, you can email us at seekingrefugepodcast at gmail.com or follow us at refugepodcast on Twitter. Thank you to Abby Sauls for taking the time to talk with us this week. 
Also, a huge thanks to Maxi International House for making this show possible. This show comes out every two weeks, so subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and we'll see you in the next one.